we're Canadian, and Canada's built of tons of different people. Today, on our final episode of Season 1 of About the Journey, we're going on a road trip I've been looking forward to for a long time. From Jamaican patties to towering totem poles and French patisseries, this is the sprawling diversity of people, places, and food in my home country of Canada. I'm Monika Raymond. I'm a travel journalist and member of Marriott Bonvoy. On this podcast, we take you on the best kind of road trip, one where we focus on the stops along the way. Now, I grew up in Toronto, so I'm really looking forward to taking you around my hometown. What I really want to show you on this trip is how unbelievably diverse the country of Canada is. So we'll start in Toronto, head up north to Ottawa, and end up in Montreal. These are three major cultural hubs in Canada with their own unique flair and flavor, which really speaks to the diversity of this country made up of about 38 million people. There's a mix of languages, fusion of flavors, and that's what we're going to experience. We're starting on my home turf of Toronto, Ontario. And believe it or not, I haven't been here in over two years. So I'm super excited to be back at my old stomping grounds to catch up with old friends and my favorite spots. Right now, I'm in a neighborhood of Toronto called Little Jamaica with my friend Brandon Gomez. And we're both just salivating because it's noon and one of my favorite spots in the whole city, a place called Sunlight Bakery, just pulled out a fresh batch of bread. I used to come here as a child. I used to pick up their hard dough bread. Already the sweet smells of like all that baked goodness has just hit me in the face. It hits different when you're, when you're hungry though. Yeah, I, I can't even hear what you're saying. I'm smelling too much. My senses are distracted. So if you don't know, hard dough bread is a classic Jamaican bread loaf that contrary to its name is actually super soft and slightly sweet. And its smell, ugh, that fresh out of the oven smell, it takes me and Brandon way back. The thing is like, not much has changed. Like when you really like look at, even like you walk to these stores, you're really feeling like you're entering back into like a past life. Yes, like, totally. No, I, I agree that the decor and yeah. everything really, it's, it's retro yeah. in a way. Um, but again, it reminds me of my childhood and it's literally, this is literally a walk down memory lane for yeah. me. We're on Eglinton Avenue on the west end of Little Jamaica. This street is the heart of Toronto's Caribbean and West Indian communities. And Brandon, well, he knows all about the area. He's a well-known local broadcaster who's advocated for Little Jamaica on his show. Hey, BG Squad. On this week's Your Voice, I wanted to bring you to a community that's been in existence for more than 50 years. Brandon and I popped into a local joint called Z-Bar and Lounge to sit down and talk about this pocket of Toronto that shaped both of us. Well, Brandon, first of all, thank you so much for joining me on this journey. <laughs> I, I love what you're doing. And when I think of Toronto and when I think of Jamaican-Canadian culture, you are somebody who comes to mind immediately. Oh. There is such a large Jamaican community yeah. that includes both myself and yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about where we are right now. We're in Little Jamaica, which is the epicenter of Jamaican-Canadian culture. So mm -hmm. just walk us through, what does it feel like? What is the feeling? What is the vibe of Little Jamaica when you, when you get Pond Avenue, yeah. when you find yourself on Eglinton West? One of my favorite memories is like coming like to obviously on the avenue, like late at night, whether it's two o'clock, three o'clock, however late you're staying out and you go to raps, right? Yes. And, like, they're like literally like 
jerking the chicken on the drum. Like this is mm-hmm. not like in a fryer or anything or in an oven. This is on the drum on the street. You're hearing the guy chop the chicken. You know what I mean? Everybody's in line and you're hearing music and it's like this is an after party and it's a vibe and like the food is so good. It's sucking up what it needs to suck up. Yep. It's making you feel good on the inside. You're kind of coughing a little bit because you touch. a little, little pepper. Yeah. You got that scotch bonnet right? pepper and it hits that part of your tongue. It's like the after party, right? The after party. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yes, absolutely. Look, I stand for raps. That is one of my childhood spots. I remember distinctly coming mm-hmm. down here with my mother, standing in line, trying to get that jerk pork. <laughs> That curry goat. Another spot that I go to even today as an adult is Randy's. Randy's for me is the quintessential Jamaican patty spot. And I feel like you you, get in trouble for saying that too, because some people people would say that there are other big competitors in this. I mean, I guess there's Michadine. Yeah. Mm. And you got Tanel's. We have Tanel's, okay. Yes. I mean, we literally just saw my brother walking out of Tanel's before (laughs) we walked in here. So, like, that kind of shows you, like. So, there's a little bit bit of a rivalry. a rivalry, but I think it's like it's a friendly rivalry, right? It's a friendly rivalry because of the fact that the food is so good that we can say like, okay, like whose is really gonna be better? But everybody knows that it don't matter whose is better because it, they all taste good. You can go yeah. anywhere and you're still gonna enjoy the food. But you really are a Randy's girl, eh? I'm a Randy's girl through and through. And I think one of the things that I love about Randy's, it's a cultural experience. Yeah. Anytime I have a visitor mm-hmm. to Toronto, I always make sure that I bring them to Little Jamaica and I always 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 make sure that Randy's is a stop on our itinerary because you walk in you have that door chime first of all before you walk in there's usually a gentleman out at the front selling some sort of mixtape or CD and then oftentimes selling some sort of tonic yeah. so they say yeah well, we have tonic ginger tonic tonic for your heart but you see how you smile when you talk about your experience I mean like this is why this area is so pivotal and so important to the city and why people right now are like fighting to save that authenticity, mm-hmm. those memories, right? So other people can experience that. Because right now it's it's actually a threat. Let's talk about that. What is happening to Little Jamaica, the Little Jamaica that we have known and loved since birth, basically? What is happening here? So essentially what's happening, I mean, the LRT that's coming. Yeah, that's so that's, that's a cross-town train, Yeah, correct? it's a cross-town train. It's like half underground, half above ground, and that has created construction on Eglinton for, oh my goodness, I want to say. For years, I mean, probably like at least seven years. Yeah, Yeah, 10 years. It's a long time. And so a lot of businesses have lost consumers. And then the other thing that's happening is gentrification. A lot of people now want to flock to the area because you're going to have that high grade transportation. And you're going to be able to- Property property values values are going up. And so what will happen to Little Jamaica? What will we face as a community, not just as a Jamaican community, but in Toronto, if Little Jamaica is no longer? Well, it's tough because people, there are two people who kind of look at this, you know, conversation in two different ways. One being that, well, you know, Jamaican Canadians have, they inhabit all parts of this city. So you go to any part of the city, you're going to find a Jamaican shop no matter what. But the opposite side of that conversation is that Toronto is actually a city of neighborhoods. You will find Greektown. You will find Little Italy. You will find Little India. You will find all of these thriving community hubs. So Jamaica deserves that. Like the contribution that Jamaican Canadians have made on the culture fabric of Toronto, which whose motto is diversity is our strength. 
you cannot deny that. So you have to preserve that. A lot of these buildings, they're not even preserved as heritage buildings. No. So they are at risk of being torn down and condos could come here, office towers could come here, all those things. And so like you think about what came out of this neighborhood, the people in this neighborhood, the community, it's like you have to show respect. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamaicans are very particular in who we are because we have this sense of pride and we need to have that as a people because of the historical context of it all. Like we don't know our lineage the same as you know, white Americans, white Canadians. So you you don't know where you came from. How do you know where you're going? So Mm. you have to have some sense of pride, a sense of self, so you can feel confident in a world that sometimes doesn't like who you are or doesn't vibe with who you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, agree with you wholeheartedly. So tell me, with all Mm. of that being said, Brandon, how can people help? How can supposed outsiders help this situation and ensure that little Jamaica doesn't get lost? Well, I mean, everybody knows Toronto's becoming like this big hotspot that everybody wants to go to, you know? Like, Drake has definitely helped with that. Like, the Raptors and their championship win back in 2019, which, oh my gosh, that's such an amazing moment. <laughs> got the cover, it was an amazing moment. It's uh, a moment for life, okay? Like, I can't, oh, I can still get a little, you know. Chills. Yeah, it's chills, you know? Like, for so long, it's like culture, like our culture is being celebrated. Anyways, so now people want to celebrate that. So what you, you know, what I advise people, like, you can come and you can come right downtown and you can see all the regular things, but venture outside a little bit. Like, come to Little Jamaica. It's a little bit outside of downtown, but shop here, right? Like, buy food here. Buy some souvenirs here. Because that, in return, will then help these small businesses, their bottom line, to stay afloat and hopefully combat, like, this fight that they have right mm-hmm. now to stay in this area. Right. Because if people are not coming to this area, then it's very easy for other people to say, well, nobody's even coming here. Yeah. So what's the point of trying to preserve something that nobody even wants to for see? Sure. Like, do what you got to do to promote they, this such, this massive cultural hub that that's that where we are right now. Like, it's just like, we can all do something small and everybody doing something small is a massive thing, mm-hmm. you know? That is amazing. Well, you know what, Brandon, this has been such a pleasure and a joy to speak to you about this neighborhood, about everything that you're doing, because it's change makers like you that allow places like this to not only survive, but also thrive. Now we're in the car en route to our second city of Ottawa. And Ottawa is the nation's capital. But you know, when I think of Ottawa, I think back to the time when I applied to college there. And I'll never forget. I came during spring break, but it definitely was not spring in Ottawa when I got there. In fact, it was snowing and it was freezing. And that's one of the enduring memories I have is that Ottawa was so cold. But at the same time, the city is so representative of all that Canada stands for. There's a real kind of official presence there because there are a lot of parliamentary buildings. But beyond the beautiful architecture, the city is right by Lake Ontario and the Rideau Canal, which is one of the 20 World Heritage Sites in Ottawa. In the fall, you can take a stroll along the canal and admire the colors on the trees. And in the winter, the canal gets cold enough to ice skate on. The other thing you should know is that bilingualism is a huge thing in Ottawa. You see people speaking French and English, you see all the signage, which is in both official languages, and you really see a real melting pot of different people and cultures. Cultures that include the Algonquin people who originally inhabited what is now known as Ottawa. We're headed to the Canadian Museum of History to get a better picture of the First Nations people of Canada. 
As we enter the museum, the first thing to catch my eye is the towering totem poles lining the walls. Their intricate designs and carved figures represent the ancestry and history of the people who made them. To a very great extent, the institution itself is indigenous from the collection's basis right through the ceiling of the building under which you're sheltering right now. The museum is designed by indigenous architect Douglas Cardinal and pays homage to forms like longhouses, igloos, and paddles. Showing me around is Dean Oliver, the head of research for the museum. Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Why is it so important to tell the stories of the First Peoples of Canada? We are, most of us, uh, newcomers to this land. Uh, From earliest times, this was a populated place, not a vacant geography. Canada is grossly incomplete without those narratives, which are not, of course, dead narratives, long-ago narratives of those from far away. They're with us, around us. The topography of this land, the nature of our, our relationship with Parliament, the history of those peoples and how we have made and continually broken promises to them is part of the narrative that shapes us. How do you see Indigenous Canadian cultures as they relate to the greater Canadian identity? Well, there is a sense of collective wisdom about uh, respecting something more than just what you think to be a national identity. Hundreds, in fact, more than 600 singular Indigenous identities, but also how collectively they may be both the same as, in some ways, as you, but also, of course, dramatically and wonderfully different from you. And uh, if we do the, the job right in museums like this, we are able to give people a sense both of how those things look and sound and feel different, different songs, different music, different cultural traditions, different relationships with the spirit world. It's those differences which help to define you and not some kind of a gross generalization about what you think you were when you walked in the door. What can we do to honor the contributions of the Indigenous peoples of Canada? I mean, the first and most obvious thing is to approach the stories of Indigenous peoples anywhere, here or in any other country you happen to be, with an open mind and an open heart. But do it with a mind to that they are, uh, will continue to be living stories and not artifacts of historical curiosity. We hope uh, when you come to the museum that you leave uh, a little bit more curious than when you entered, with uh, some of your questions answered, perhaps some thoughts spurred, and maybe uh, just a little bit of a deeper reflection on the many stories that comprise the country in which you stand than the few, perhaps, that you brought in with you when you arrived. Yes, love that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Pleasure to see you here. What a great conversation. You know, something that I really loved is that the history of Indigenous peoples is really being honored and we're not treating them and their stories as a monolith. The other thing I appreciate is that we're really acknowledging that this is a continuing story. So with that said, if you're coming to Ottawa, I definitely recommend a stop here and just recommend you as well to acknowledge these people and their rich history and their continued stories. We'll leave Ottawa and begin our two-and-a-half-hour drive to Montreal. Consider taking Route 148 for a scenic Riverside Drive along the Ottawa River. Now, Montreal holds a special place in my heart because it was actually the first place I traveled to on my own as a teenager. I was studying French at the time and just remembered being wowed by this city. Anyone who grew up in Canada will tell you the importance of learning French, and that is especially the case in this Quebecois city. And in the neighborhood we're headed to, the French influence can be felt on every single block. 
We are rolling through the Plateau Mont Royal neighborhood, and I can almost smell <laughs> all of the baked goods here. Now, this neighborhood is known for having the most pâtisserie, so the most bakeries and pastry shops in all of Montreal. And my stomach is calling. I cannot wait to eat everything that comes my way. While you can find delicious baked goods and pastries on nearly every corner, we're headed to a special spot where two women are bringing together pastry traditions from across the world. I think French and Japanese, we are both really picky in food. We had the pleasure of meeting both owners of Food Desserts, a well-known patisserie in the heart of Plateau Montréal. Here, Hiroko Fukuhura and Carole de Boisvilliers are bringing together traditional Japanese and French pastry making. We have two kinds of eclairs with matcha cream and sesame cream. Both have anko, it's red beans paste, and then brioche with kinako cream, soybeans, roasted soybeans powder, then a croissant, a cheese croissant with edamame. It's soybeans also. We use a lot of soybeans in Japan. While Hiroko has led the charge to bring in more Japanese ingredients over the years, Carole brings a traditional French pastry flair. It's really the classics. Millefeuille, pâte à choux, éclair. It's in our culture to have those pastries every day in France. And when these two come together, well, I'll let the customers speak for themselves. You do not really get the same flavor that you could have anywhere else. I'm French and taste like home. C'est la meilleure pâtisserie style française de la région. The best French pâtisserie in the region? Maybe so. But it's the combination of Japanese and French influences that truly puts food desserts on my must-stop list. Depending on when you find yourself in the neighborhood, you can experience a celebration of pastries at Food Desserts. Every spring, Food Desserts leads the charge on La Fête du Croissant, a celebration of the craft of croissant making. Find yourself here in the fall, however, and you can celebrate Saveur du Japon, or Flavors of Japan, a celebration of all things Japanese pastries. After we've grabbed a croissant or a matcha éclair, take a short walk over to nearby Parc Laurier for the best part, enjoying the treats we've purchased. I have before me a matcha eclair. It looks so good. So it has matcha, but it's not too strong. I taste red bean in there. It's interesting because you really get the mix of Japanese and French. But even though there's opposite flavors, it's really complimentary. So I am loving this remix on the eclair. We'll shake the crumbs off our jacket and hop back into the car for a short drive through the city to our final resting point. After experiencing these three amazing Canadian cities, we'll settle in at the Humanity Hotel Montreal, an autograph collection hotel participating in Marriott Bonvoy. One of the first things you'll notice is the stunning architecture of the building itself. Enter the lobby and take in the vibrant art collection. In fact, there are over 150 pieces throughout the hotel. Perfect for an Instagram moment after a full day of exploring. The inviting feel of the place is no accident. The hotel was designed as a space for visitors and locals to meet with not only hotel rooms on site, but also condos and offices. 
A trip out to the rooftop patio or hotel lounge may be the perfect opportunity to experience some Canadian hospitality. With that, we've reached the end of our Ontario to Quebec road trip. It was such a pleasure to get to meet our guests on this episode. From protecting the authenticity of Little Jamaica to celebrating the diversity of Canada's Indigenous people and the international patisserie traditions of food desserts, Canada has so much to offer. I'm leaving this trip feeling so happy and so grateful for my country. I mean, this return has been absolutely amazing. I've learned so much. And it's funny because, you know, sometimes I feel as though I take home for granted. But coming back, especially after being away for two years, has really allowed me to see Canada through new and fresh eyes. This was truly a homecoming that has made me so proud to be Canadian. And you know what? This is actually the final episode of season one of About the Journey. So thank you so much for coming along with me on these trips. I hope that this season has encouraged you to immerse yourself in the world with an open mind. About the Journey is produced by Marriott Bonvoy Traveler, Atwill Media, and me, Onika Raymond. Our Marriott producers are Robin Benefield and Jess Moss. Our At Will Media producers are Mitch Bluestein, Christy Westgard, Elliot Davis, Naila Andre, and Drew Beebe. Thanks to our guests on this episode for sharing their stories along the route. And special thanks to Z Bar and Grill for hosting our conversation in Toronto. You can learn more about them at zbarandgrill.ca. To check out Brandon Gonez's show, visit his YouTube channel linked in our show notes. And to get a taste of Sunlight Bakery or to test Snell's and Randy's for yourself, you'll have to visit their shops on Eglinton Avenue in Toronto. To tour the Canadian Museum of History digitally, visit www.historymuseum.ca. And if Food Desserts pastries are calling your name, check out their menu at fooddesserts.com. You can learn more about this route and get other road trip ideas from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler at traveler.marriott.com. And if you like this episode of About the Journey, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Onika Raymond. See you next time on The Open Road. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen.